At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tears start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up to date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Riffway Podcast. Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Remy, Dungeon Master and a player on the Riftwake podcast. I'm Mitch, player on Riftwake and a D&D enthusiast. And today's topic is Dragonborn! Uh, we touched on this a little bit on Tuesday's episode and then just decided to split off and talk about it on its own. This is yet another for the list of Wait, we haven't talked about that yet? Oh, crap. Uh, so we are going to do so, especially now that there are so many new Dragonborn options introduced in Fizbins. And in theory, at least, this ought to be the last in the Fizbin series for a while, at least, as we've been focusing on that for a good few weeks now. So uh, all that being said, Mitch, what can you tell me about Dragonborn? My first character with Dragonborn. Oh, tell us about it. Uh, half of the dragon shaman barbarian homebrew class. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> nice. Honestly, I really like Dragonborn. Uh, this will probably come as a shock to no one, but I love me some dragons. So getting to play a dragon-esque character is something that I think is pretty goddamn cool. Uh, so before I actually do my usual deep dive into the mechanics of the options for Dragonborn, uh, I do actually want to talk a little bit about the lore of them, because this is something that can vary depending on your D&D world, your setting, your homebrew, what have you. Uh, this is something that actually can vary quite a lot. So first things first, where do Dragonborn come from? Well, when a mommy and a daddy love each other very much. Mm-hmm. So if you have two, two dragonborn, then yes, they can have a child that is dragonborn. 
However, that isn't necessarily the only way. So in different D&D settings, it is also possible that some dragon eggs might hatch into dragonborn into or instead of a full dragon. So whether that's something like dragonborn just being like the runt of the draconic litter or whether that's something that dragonborn can purposefully do so they have someone you know, medium to interact with human societies more. Like, the why of that is totally up to you as a dungeon master just doing your own world building. But it does make a difference in the world if you consider that there is a different source of Dragonborn in your world, or if all of the options are possible. And one other one that also exists now uh, in Fizbins, they introduced a draconic gift that allows dragons to potentially turn someone into a dragonborn, which is also quite interesting. Because if you consider, you know, an all of the above approach, like I like to do, then you can have the idea of, okay, so dragonborn breed true, but also dragons themselves might be able to have some of their eggs hatch into dragonborn, and you can have people turn into dragonborn. Honestly, it sounds like there should be more Dragonborn in a D&D world than you'll typically see. So that's something to consider for world building. Like, is there something like a population boom of Dragonborn in your world? And that is one of the world events just going on in a world is there's just a ton of Dragonborn. Because also something to consider is that if you decide to lean into you know, a more reptilian than draconic in terms of, like, how long it takes a dragonborn to reach adulthood, like, they really might end up breeding very quickly. I mean, it is actually mentioned, like, by 5th edition Raw, like, in a player's handbook, a dragonborn is specifically mentioned uh, for... Actually, you know what? I'll just go ahead and skip a little bit to uh, Dragonborn mechanics. Age. Young Dragonborn grow quickly. They walk hours after hatching, attain the size and development of a 10-year-old human by the age of 3, and reach adulthood by 15. So that is interesting to think about, because it's not that they reach, like... Like, they reach full-on adulthood by 15. So, I Really, when you think about it, that, that plateaus kind of... Because, like, by three, they're a 10-year-old. And then it takes them another 12 years to age the equivalent of, like, 10 human years. Well, it depends. Because it... Also, how do you interpret adulthood? Because, like, don't... Like, humans are still in developmental stages until they're, like, 25. So if you do consider that to be adulthood. Yeah, but still, I mean, it, it's a very sharp incline and then a very shallow incline. Yeah, but at the same time, that helps a young dragonborn get through like the most vulnerable period of life incredibly quickly. And then they have time to develop as a person in that time before actually reaching adulthood for a similar length of time as a human, really. If the you important thing is they get the awkwardness years. of puberty for the same amount of time. Oh, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Shit. If 
I had to suffer, they have to suffer. <laughs> but it is something that's easy, interesting to think about, though. Is like, so a dragonborn child, therefore, would be incredibly rare. And in that if you see like a dragonborn that seems to be like you know the equivalent of a twelve-year-old human, that they're probably like a four-year-old dragonborn. So, like, does that have, like, societal implications in a world? Like, imagine, like, if you have a world that has mandatory schooling, how the hell would that work if you consider just, like, the different growth rates of different races in a D&D world? Like, is it something, like, do you have, like, segregated schools for, you know, humans and elves and dragonborn each in, you know, separate educational path just due to the different maturity rates? Like, is school something where there is just, like, you know, a final exam kind of thing, and whenever you can pass that, that's that? Like, there's a lot of societal implications just to think about just the different maturation rates of the various races in a D&D world. But anyway, uh, Dragonborn. So, there are quite a few uh, different varieties that do exist now. The classic version from the Player's Handbook first, uh, ability score increase, uh, strength plus two, charisma plus one. Uh, already just talked about the age. Alignment, I do not give a damn. Uh, size, medium, although usually bigger than humans, over six feet tall and averaging 250 pounds, 30 foot speed. Dragon ancestry. So this one's pretty neat because of the fact that it is a very flexible racial option in that you pick a draconic race, uh, just, uh, sorry, a draconic ancestor, and whatever your draconic ancestor is gives you resistance to whatever the damage type associated with that type of dragon is, and you get a breath weapon that you're able to use uh, once per short or long rest with the damage uh, starting at 2d6, and then escalating to 3d6 at 6th level, 4d6 at 11th, and then 5d6 at 16th. Uh, with a DC based on your constitution modifier, no matter what option you pick. Uh, wait a minute, that's not true. That's a typo. Oh wait, no, sorry. That's the... I'm wrong. It's not. Uh, the DC is based on your con mod, but the actual saving throw... Is going to be dex or con, depending on what the actual element is. So if it's something like, you know, cold or poison, if you've got, you know, a white, silver, or green dragon, then yeah, that's going to be con to resist. But if it's something like acid, lightning, fire, then it's going to be a dex save. And you can pick any of the uh, metallic or chromatic dragon options. Uh, from the original player's handbook version. Uh, Language-wise, of course, you have common and Dracon. Now, there also uh, is another variant called the uh, Ravenite Dragonborn, and this is, uh, I believe, from Ravnica. But the difference is that instead of it being strength and charisma, it's strength plus two, constitution plus one. So a little bit better for, you know, a more melee-focused character. Uh, also, uh, the Revenite Dragonborn gets Dark Vision. 
uh, instead of having... Uh, they do not get the damage resistance, though. Uh, also, they get an ability called Vengeful Assault. Uh, when you take damage from a creature in range of a weapon you're wielding, you can use your reaction to make an attack against the creature. And then once you do, you can't do it again until a short or long rest. So, potentially useful, but honestly, that is one of the least used Dragonborn for good reason. Now, uh, there is a yet another option uh, called the Draken Blood Dragonborn. D-R-A-C-O-N. And for that one, uh, it is Intelligence plus 2, Charisma plus 1, 60 foot dark vision, and a forceful presence. You can use your understanding of creative diplomacy or intimidation to guide a conversation in your favor. When you make an intimidation or persuasion check, you can do so with advantage. And once you do so, you can't do again until a shorter long rest. So that's fine. But now let's talk about where things get interesting. There are three new additions that have been introduced in Fizbins. So let's start off with the chromatic dragonborn. So for all of these, uh, there is the change in how D&D races work that started with Pasha's Cauldron of Everything and is continuing uh, with all newly released races, which is that for all characters, you have the option now to either increase any ability score by two and a different score by one, or increase three ability scores by one, uh, three different ability scores. You can't stack all this together. And this is true for all races if you decide to use that optional rule but is explicitly the case for the newly introduced races. And you get to speak common and another language of your choice. All right. Humanoid, medium, 30-foot speed. Now, for the chromatic, you do just pick one of the classic five chromatic dragons as your ancestor. So black, blue, green, red, white, or acid, lightning, poison, fire, or cold damage. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Now, the breath weapon is a little bit different now. When you take the attack action on your turn, you can replace one of your attacks with an exhalation of magical energy in a 30-foot line that is 5 feet wide. Uh, each creature has to make a deck save con- uh, based on your con mod, yada yada. Uh, on a failed save, it takes 1d10 damage of the type. Uh, on a successful save, half as much. Damage increases at 5th level, 11th level, and 17th level by 1d10 each time. So they change the levels at which uh, it increases damage to the exact same as a cantrip. So cantrips also scale up exactly the same, one die of damage at 5th, 11th, and 17th level. So now that just kind of lines up better with how spellcasting works. Uh, also, you can use the breath weapon a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So it is a bit different now then. So instead of it being just one per shorter long rest, you can use it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus per game day. Now, what makes that interesting also is the idea that you can potentially use that a couple of times in a single combat encounter. So the fact that even at first level, you do have the ability to, or sorry, you do have a proficiency bonus of two immediately. So that would mean even a first level Dragonborn is able to use their breath weapon twice, potentially, and the fact that it is an AoE, so a 30-foot line, twice in a combat encounter to potentially do even that single just you know D10 of damage, that is not nothing. So if you do have just a line of weak enemies, that could be a massive advantage just immediately for a first-level character. Uh, also, the Chromatic Dragonborn still gets the Draconic Resistance, so resistance to that damage. Also, they get chromatic warding starting at 5th level as an action. You can channel your draconic energy to protect yourself. For one minute, so 10 rounds of combat, you become immune to the damage type associated with your chromatic ancestry. And once you use the trait, you can't again until long rest. That is amazing! Total immunity to any, to, you know, your damage type just for a minute so if you're fighting in a battle you know against some enemy wizard imagine if you are a red dragonborn or sorry red chromatic dragonborn that is and use this ability to just become immune to fire completely so you could have a fifth level character that's just tossing fireballs all over the place or on the other hand it could also be useful like let's just say you have an an, an ally who wants to use fireball and you have a red dragonborn fighter who is, you know, your tank trying to just keep everyone centered on them. So they could just use their action to use this chromatic warding, become immune to fire, and then don't have to worry about any friendly fire from your allies' fireballs, just incinerating everything else around them, but leaving them untouched. That is amazing, you know, and that's true for any damage type too. Like I use fire as the example because fireball. But the same could be said for lightning bolt or poison. You know, if you have 
you know, a trap that triggers, you know, a poison in a sealed room, that could be an incredibly valuable ability. So that is a nice, versatile, cool dragonborn. I really like that new chromatic. Uh, also, one detail that I do need to point out here, uh, for the breath weapon, just to rewind back to that, oh, it's when you take the attack action on your turn, you can replace one of your attacks with the breath weapon. So if you do have extra attacks, so let's stick with that, uh, you know, fifth level fighter example. So fifth level red dragon, uh, red chromatic dragonborn, they have two attacks. So they can use their weapon attack and use their breath weapon instead of taking the second attack. So that amount of versatility for a ranged character, for a melee character, any Dragonborn character, that is an amazing new versatility that it's not as an action, but when you take the attack action to replace one of the attacks with your breath weapon. So now let's move on to something brand new also, a gem dragonborn. So we did talk a little bit about gem dragons uh, on Tuesday's episode, but for the gem dragonborn, you do get to pick uh, Amethyst, Crystal, Emerald, Sapphire, or Topaz, and same ability scores, yada yada yada. You know, most of the basics are pretty much the same. Uh, the gem ancestry... Uh, oh shoot, I just realized I didn't actually mention that in Tuesday. That's a whoops. Amethyst is Force, Crystal is Radiant, Emerald is Psychic, Sapphire is Thunder, and Topaz is Necrotic. So all the Gem Dragons are one of the rarer damage types for the most part. So the Breath Weapon is mostly the same. However, it is ever so slightly different in that instead of being a 30-foot line, it is a 15-foot cone. Otherwise, it is exactly the same. Replace one of the attacks with the attack action, 1d10 damage, scaling at uh, 5th, 11th, and 17th level, all the same. Uh, you have resistance to the damage type associated with your gem ancestry. And this is actually something that I do also want to point out. Because of the fact that the gem dragonborn do have these rarer damage types, if you were to pick something like, you know, an amethyst dragonborn for forced resistance, like I do talk about every so often, force is a really rarely resisted damage type. So getting a force resistance for a character from your racial bonuses at level one is amazingly useful. And the same could even be said if you were to get, you know, necrotic resistance from Topaz, if you're doing an undead heavy game, uh, psychic. Like if you have an emerald dragonborn barbarian, well, I've talked in the past, you know, <laughs> A bear totem barbarian is incredibly defensively powerful, but is only not resistant to psychic damage. So if you were an emerald gem dragonborn, you would get that racial resistance to psychic damage, so you would be resistant while you're raging to literally everything! And that's pretty fucking awesome. But wait, there's more. They also do have psionic mind. You can send telepathic messages to any creature you can see within 30 feet of you. You don't need to share a language with the creature for it to understand this message, but it must be able to understand at least a language to comprehend them. So on the downside, this is not a total mind link where you can send messages back and forth, but you are able to send telepathic, method, 
messages to any creature that you can see within 30 feet. So that's pretty goddamn cool and very useful for, you know, planning combat and such. Uh, and they have one last ability, Gem Flight. Starting at 5th level, you can use a bonus action to manifest spectral wings on your body. The wings last for 1 minute, so 10 rounds. Uh, for the duration, you gain a flying speed equal to your walking speed and can hover. Once you use the trait, can't do so again until you finish a long rest. So, once a day, you can fly for one minute. And one detail that I think is pretty neat, it's not you gain a 30-foot flying speed or something like that. It, spe it specifies equal to your walking speed. So if you were to, say, make a rogue with the mobile feet that is a gem dragonborn, then you suddenly have a rogue with a longbow that can just fly for one encounter a day and just be really fucking difficult to kill. You know, or you, imagine if you made a monk gem dragonborn and they're able to just move with the insane speed of a monk, but including flight as soon as fifth level? That is powerful. So this new gem dragonborn, I, honestly, both of these new dragonborn are very good options. And now we can wrap up with the metallic dragonborn. So again, ability score increases are all the same, yada yada yada, size, speed, yada yada yada, metallic ancestry. So brass is fire, bronze is lightning, copper is acid, gold is also fire, and silver is cold. Uh, this is the one kind of weird thing about metallic dragons, they don't have a poison dragon, they have two fire dragons. So, sure. Uh, the breath weapon it follows the same kind of style. Uh, attack action let, and replace one of the attacks. It is a 15-foot cone, just like the gem dragonborn. And they have to make a deck save, yada, yada, yada. You know the drill. Uh, draconic resistance, so they get the damage resistance to that once again. Now... Do you remember what the difference is between chromatic and metallic dragons? Uh, some sort of effect. Correct. So metallic dragons get a secondary breath weapon that has some kind of effect. And even a freaking metallic dragonborn gets that as well. So metallic breath weapon at fifth level, you gain a second breath weapon. Uh, when you take the attack action, replace one, yada yada yada, that part's the same. But now you get to choose Enervating Breath. Each creature in the cone has to succeed on a con save or become incapacitated until the start of your next turn. And as a quick reminder, incapacitated means you cannot take actions or reactions. So they full-on lose a turn if they fail the saving throw. It is not any damage, but to potentially make... So if you've got a 15-foot cone, that means, what, up to six creatures or so, if you're really, really lucky? So that is a number of creatures that could potentially just lose their next turn if they fail that saving throw. That is nuts. But there is also a second option, Repulsion Breath. 
each creature in the cone has to make a strength save or be pushed up to 20 feet away and knocked prone. So, honestly, the innovating breath definitely makes me more excited personally, but the repulsion breath is definitely still situationally useful. And it is one of those whenever you use that trait. So you get to pick every time that you use that ability, whether you which of those effects you want. On the one downside, though, once you use your metallic breath weapon, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest. So the metallic breath weapon is once per game day, while the regular breath weapon is available a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. So that is a lot of versatility for the metallic dragonborn, too. The fact that you can deal your damage, proficiency bonus number of times. And you have a metallic breath weapon once per day, where you can potentially make creatures just lose a turn. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you could even use the entire life of that character, because even if you are in some like big boss fight kind of situation, even getting a creature to burn a legendary resistance is still very powerful. And the fact that they have something worth burning a legendary resistance on as a racial trait, starting at 5th level? That's really good. Like, honestly, one of the things that I personally am most impressed by here, all three of these new Dragonborn are usable. All three are good options for a character. I'm really happy about that, because, like, I'll be honest, as much as I love D&D, there's a lot of sub-races that are just not going to get used very often. But all three of these are good, solid picks, especially if you do use the racial rules of any, you know, plus two, plus one ability score. So it can be used for any type of character, melee or ranged, magic or not, it does not matter. All three of these Dragonborn have a place in a D&D world. And Dragonborn, in general, should have a place in your D&D world. Honestly, as much as dragons are a part of just Dungeons & Dragons, Dragonborn are an afterthought to most Dungeon Masters. They're simply another race in a world. But they're awesome, powerful creatures, potentially, that have a link to some of the most iconic creatures in the game. So Dragonborn should be more of a consideration for Dungeon Masters in their world building, and players now have some new Dragonborn options to introduce a little more Dragon Blood into your games. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Rifts and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter, at Riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, and you can send us an email, riftsandrules at gmail.com. That's riftsandrules at gmail.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.